Welcome to the Do Good Radio Hour with Bluegrass Community Foundation. Here at Bluegrass Community Foundation, we believe doing good inspires good. It's the gift that keeps on giving. The intention behind the show is to encourage you by sharing the undeniable good happening within our community. One of the ways we plan to do this is by sharing the stories of nonprofit organizations across the region who are creating more generous, vibrant, and engaged communities. Tune into the Do Good Radio Hour every Monday at 2 p.m. to hear about the good that is the heartbeat of our community and how you can get more involved. The Do Good Radio Hour is excited to invite Ellie Venn onto the show today. That was a short clip of her own song, Fancy, so go check it out. Today's show focuses on shedding preconceived notions about how charitable giving should look and points to the concept that giving starts with one person who has a passion. Ellie Venn is a perfect example of that. As a musician, entrepreneur, artist, and much more, she shatters all stereotypes. And during this interview, she inspires me, and I'm sure you all too, to chase after what I'm passionate about wholeheartedly, especially when it comes to giving back. So let's welcome her today. Okay, the Do Good Radio Hour is super excited to have Miss Ellie Venn on our show today, and we are going to learn all kinds of things from her. I'm super excited about this conversation. So hello, welcome to the show. Hello. Hello. So before we get started into all the good stuff, give the listeners a little background on you, your story, and how you've gotten to where you are now. Well, I am from Los Angeles. I am the daughter of, I'll call him a a total renaissance man, like really into um, a, a businessman, but really was always really into art. Like he would have his paper, but he also had an easel right next to him. And then he would like, try and play the piano himself and he would swim and he was just a, he was, you know, he was 59 when I was born. So he was an older dad. So he was already sort of developed emotionally and really had a, like now in hindsight, like I think, holy moly, guacamole, how lucky was I to have this like guy who really just so naturally used art and creativity in like all these different fun projects. So I really, you know, you get a lot by osmosis that you might not even really realize, but, you know, he's been passed away for, you know, he's been gone for a couple of years now and, you know, you really then see, gosh, special energy. So, yeah, so I, I, so yeah, so that basically, so I was, that was my dad. Um, I totally have daddy girl issues. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> and, uh, God, no, I'm kidding. And, um, <laughs> And, uh, and then my mom was a designer and a total diva. And, uh, and so they were just a great, very creative pair. And they both got married later in life. So my life in Los Angeles was really, I mean, really Los Angeles when I grew up there was really amazing. You know, it was the coolest. It was like right now it's just so crowded and it's, you know, it's a lot to navigate, you know, but I really feel very lucky that I also was around a lot of entertainment people. So I saw it very naturally. It wasn't so much something separate, but what was weird is I didn't really watch a lot of TV or anything like that, but I really grew up around that kind of energy of people who were constantly creating, who were very much, you know, who gave a poo, whether or not it was roses or, you know, or this, like who really got into the details of expression. So that was where I grew up. And then I, um, and then as I, 
got more into music as the business, I found myself really wanting to not be in Los Angeles because it felt like every, every conversation had to be about your creativity and it's, then you're commoditizing yourself, you know, then it's like, you know, well, I'm not this kind of person. I'm not that kind of person. My music's not this way and my music's not really that way. And so I just, it all kind of aligned. Like it was, I was doing my music and everything, but then my sister became sick. My mother became sick and I got this house. And, and so it just sort of became my getaway to sort of save my creativity and myself, quite frankly. And, um, and now, you know, I can go back and like throw down and be super creative and get down with the fun and the, you know, the connectivity that's available to me there and, and then come home and really veg out with my dog. So are you originally from Kentucky? How did, what's the time? No, 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 I went, I even went to school in California and then I met a girl from Lexington that became friends with her and her friends and her family. And then I would always, you know, I, they had stone houses here and I just thought, what, you know, like that's so not California. Right. And I thought that's so beautiful. And then the first, you know, like, a chunk of change I had available to me. I was like, you know, I'm going to put my money in something that is real because with the music and with the lifestyle that I was, you know, that I was living, I was like, I am going to mess myself up if I don't put my money into something real. So that was that. And then it really became the, the real like haven for me. And I brought my event given to the groove here that I did in Los Angeles. But all of a sudden it was like, it really was a great move because I also feel like but people were so warm and welcoming to me. I had this girlfriend from college and I, I met all of her friends and, and uh, I really saw that my mentality of like, that there's no gift too big or small given to the group might really find a home here also. And so when that happened, that was really, you know, it kept me here. Yeah. So let's just run on that train right now. So you're okay. here with BGCF for your current and your planned charitable giving. So tell me more about what you were just talking about, the Given to the Groove Foundation and your aim behind it. Yeah, well, the Given to the Groove Foundation, I actually started those events because I was trying to book myself as an artist and I felt that like I didn't want to be totally on a hip hop night or I wasn't going to be on a total emo night or I wasn't going to be on a total singer songwriter night. So I thought, you know, what would my people love? What kinds of experiences would they love? And I'm like, you know, they'd be into art, they'd be into fashion, they'd be into different kinds of music. I started to do the events really as an attempt to really support my music and what I thought the people who would love my music would actually gravitate towards. And that really was a large uh, motivation. And then I did it for a single charity at a time when I was doing it in LA. I did it for the Los Angeles Free Clinic. I did it for the American Red Cross. When I came to Lexington, I just thought, you know, there are a lot of small charities here that the smallest amount makes such a huge difference. And like, especially in the smaller charities, you know, because the bigger charities have so much overhead you know, and then there's these smaller ones that are, you know, are really fighting to stay alive and do something decent for someone. And so I thought, you know, this is the perfect thing. This is great. I could do it all ages there. I could, you know, really 
get the participation going. So part of giving to the group was you had to go on the giving to the group party train and then you had to participate with each of the different charities and do an activity. So it was not whether or not you gave something or you had to give your time and your attention. You didn't necessarily have to give money. So it was great. It was super popular. A lot of the charities came out with either relationships or donations. I promised a small amount for each of the, the charities but they knew that it was more about getting that energy, getting perspective and future donors to be interested in giving their time and their talent or their money. Like, so not necessarily, you know, what the order, you know, time, talent, that's, you know, that really does make a big difference. And those are future donors. So you're going to be a day sponsor for the 2021 Good Giving Challenge. Which yes. Is exciting. And we're already kind of prepping for that event, that's, which happens, you know, later in the year. So first of all, thank you for deciding to be an integral part of that. But what made you decide to partner with BGCF for the Good Giving Challenge? Well, I'm really excited about it because it's the 11th year at Bluegrass Community Foundation. And so uh, the plan is to create a matching gift of $11,111.11 for 11 years. So and I'm so excited about it because I have to tell you that, you know, the thing about giving that really is good and it's kind of sappy. But it really is true. It's like once we intend to do something decent, like a lot, you know, a lot of other things come into play. That means, you know, not just in charitable giving and, you know, and I want to go to this college. I want to be a part of this program. I want to become the best violinist. I want to, you know, work on this career or that career. Like you have to, you have to pivot. You have to, you have to make some sort of commitment to, you know, to get there. And so, at first, I was like thinking, I don't know if I really want to promise that. Sometimes I do more, sometimes I do less. Do I really want to do that? But then I thought, no, you know, I mean, I absolutely want to do that. Just to simply the statement is, you know, of course, it's, you know, such a minor gift in the scheme of the need and everything and all the great things that Bluegrass Community Foundation does. But for me, it's just a nice pivot to remind myself that, that you know, my music is a lot about giving. Also, it's about, you know, my music is, you know, is is to me, I didn't start out thinking that I would have the kind of content or the audience that I, that has built over time, but I really like, it comes from such a, a true place and I enjoy it so thoroughly. And I know that it, like if somebody just enjoys it or somebody writes me and says they enjoyed it, like as the greatest day I've had, you know, ever, you know, so it really is, I think to put yourself in that cycle is not only uplifting but um you know just like incredibly rewarding really you know so anyway so that's 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 it eleven thousand dollars for 11 years well eleven thousand one hundred eleven dollars and eleven cents and your name is ellie Vin. that's right that's right it fits that's right yeah <laughs> can you explain to people the origin of your name okay so I named myself Ellie Venn uh, because my favorite, I was, when I was separated, my mother moved me into apartment 1111. And so I thought, I love the number 11 because it really means to me the actualization of my best self, aligning myself with those who are equal in height and girth, separate but united, indivisible, so that we can go forward with mutually beneficial goals in mind. And I love the stretch. People could see us. She's holding both of her fingers up like an 11 and they're like, you're walking forward. That's so cool with your yeah. alignment. That's, that's great. Yeah. So as we discussed, you're an extremely creative person. You have your hands in many different sectors of art and creativity. So explain to us your creative process and how you infuse it into your life. Well, um, I will say, uh, 
I do think that the best way to be creative is to create an optimum space for creativity at all times. And so I am really committed to that. That's really what I do every single day. Everything I'm doing, whether it's what I'm eating. I mean, I'm really, I'm not fanatic and that's not how it's been all the time, but you start to realize that if you want to do something good over a certain period of time that you have to consider all parts of yourself. Like I can't be like, yeah, all day long. I have to make sure that I rest. I have to make sure that I get my veggies. I have to make sure that I exercise. I have to make sure that I hang out with a pal. I have to journal. I have to yoga. I have to do all those different things that sort of replenish me and make me strong again instead of feeling like I have to like stay till closing in order to please some jerk face that will like have totally forgotten me like once their buzz is gone sort of thing you know so I, I did that in the beginning where I thought that I had to network or I had to do different things and not in an embarrassing way or anything like that but now with a little hindsight I realize that it was so what's so much more important to me now after, you know, really two decades of devoting myself to this three at this point, you know, it's, it's about longevity. It's about being present when those moments happen, when, you know, when you finally have the moment to be in the recording booth, when you finally have the moment to be on stage with those people, when you finally have the moment to write with that person, when you finally have the moment, like you want to be feeling decent. You don't want to be feeling, one doesn't want to be feeling frazzled or whatever. So, Anyway, so I really think that for my create, like my creativity is very much about, about creating optimum space for myself. So I take really good care of myself and I chunk my behaviors. So I, I love writing. I'm writing a short book of short stories. I'm actually currently writing a musical. I do my music. And so those things don't happen every single day. But I think, you know, I need to give this attention. I need to give this attention. I need to give this attention. But every day I do meditate and every day I do exercise. And every day I try to eat decent. Yeah, and when I don't eat decent, it's like a four-day recovery. Yeah, that's such a great piece of advice, though, especially for creative people, because I feel like creative people so oftentimes get so immersed in their art that they lose themselves, and then that's detrimental to their art. So it's like this vicious cycle. So you give a great example of how to break that. You can still be creative and also not get so immersed in it that you lose yourself. Totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So tell us more about the inspiration behind your music and why you decided to take the plunge and get your music recorded, specifically your album, The 11th Hour. Okay, well, you know, I am a divorcee. I know I am a divorcee. That's like, you know, the, you know, but you know, it happened long ago. But I will say it was really kind of the best thing that ever happened to me because I was moving to apartment 1111. I, you know, it was kind of an escape from the guy. And my mom got the apartment. And I just remember, you know, it really was so lucky because, you know, I didn't duplicate him. And, um, I really had the opportunity to, you know, to, to do my thing. And so I started temping and then I actually met a person out and they happened to actually be friends with some Minneapolis dancers. And the conversation just happened. What would you do if, you know, if it didn't matter? And I'm like, oh, I think I'd really love to sing. I think I'd really love to write. You know, I did some, you know, I did some work in high school. Like I definitely, I went to a high school that was pretty amazing. I literally was picked to, to be a, uh, to, to be in a play. And, and my, my first director was Robert Goulet, who I'm sure that might be like kind of 
you know, like a different generation for you, but he was a big Broadway guy and his son played opposite me. And that was like my first director. And it's like, you know, when I think about that, I'm like, that is so lucky. Not that it meant anything or didn't mean anything, but I was just sort of, I just would happen upon these experiences and learn from some really interesting people. So then it's like, I'm literally at a restaurant having a drink, talking to a person who says he knows some people from Minneapolis who dance for Prince. And he says, gosh, they would love, they would love it. If you know, you know, you have a decent voice. If you think that you can write, they would love to work with somebody who wants to go in the studio. And I was like, gosh, I mean, like, I like that. That's all I want to do. You know, so I literally sent them a picture, a video of me fake tap dancing in a musical. And they're like, okay, you can do it. And I went out there and I like stayed. I don't know why I even trusted it. I went out there. I went there for five days. I came back with three songs that were written, but I was like in the basement of a stranger's home. Like I could have lost my life, but I didn't really at that moment. It was the total right thing. I was positive. I knew it was the right thing to do. And it was like one stranger. It really was a little bit of the blind leading the blind, but you know, I'd been married and divorced. It wasn't really working out. I didn't really want to be, a secretary. I had been a teacher for a couple of years and I just felt that there was more creativity and I did, didn't grow up struggling at all. And, you know, and I did know that like I could take some risks. Like at that point I was like, like to me now with the, the issues that I still have, it's just, just as a human, you know, I can actually say how grateful I am for the moments that I actually listened to my instinct and decided, oh, you know what, this really, I, I just know that this is my path. Like, I know that, like, I am supposed to be doing this. Like, there's, you know, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know how else to explain it or if I'm babbling, but. Yeah. Well, I like what you're saying because you're talking about, like, following your heart and your intuition. And you're a really good example of how to marry your passions and your hobbies with your philanthropic goals so describe what that process is like for you like following your heart in that way in, in a charitable way just to connect it back i i have worked with the uh, bluegrass community foundation for given to the group so they helped distribute the money because i didn't really feel you know i don't really know all the ins and outs of having your own charitable organization but i wanted for it to be fair and square and for it to be done properly so everybody would feel good about giving money and when you see how they so and then i'm planning on you know if i you know there, there's a plane crash everything you know is going to go over there and uh, and it just i really appreciate how they care about the future of these smaller charities who really don't have the infrastructure to actually stay funded and that's an amazing thing because there's so many things to know. Like when, you know, it's not, you know, it's, you know, a good heart is great, but you have to know how to file the 501c form. You have to know how to get to the social media things and, you know, and how to network in the community and what the best ways are to actually get sort resourced in so many ways for these smaller charities. So I just think it's the best. I love how it's uh, support supporting all kinds of charities. I really love that because I, don't really feel like, you know, I think that there's a lot of need out there. So I really appreciate that too. So anyways, and over the years I've seen Lisa in action and she's just great. And so I just really appreciate the main mission. One of the things was I read this book, The Alchemist, which also like that was also the moment, like I was separated. And then I read this book, The Alchemist, the Pablo Coelho book. 
was great because it was just saying that just listen to your instinct and keep following your heart and like you'll, it'll circle back. Like even if all the details aren't right, if you're like really going for your, you know, your North star, then things are going to work out. So anyway, so I do, so I, so the, the charity is really, again, it's like that definitely, it's amazing how the giving and especially in the Lexington context the event, the years that we did it here, I did it here, I think six years and we did it at the ballpark and we did it over at the break room and we did it at Buster's and it was so great to see all ages get involved. And just, again, the idea of that you can give your time and talent. So we had the greatest talent. We had so many different people participating. And so the energy was just like, you know, kids like racing and be like, who are you playing for? We're playing for the Lexington Humane Society. You know what I mean? So it's just so fun because like they're like amped and thinking that they can do something wonderful for their community without having to give money, you know? And so I really think that that, I mean, I'm very proud of that because I feel like it was great. The shows were great, but you know, shows are always fun, but to actually get people engaged and to see kids just pumped up that way and just humans just really you know it's optimistic it's not like you know, so so um to see a natural marriage huh is that a bit happening this year no no i stopped doing when my mom and my sister passed away i kind of you know, as I, I, so I'm re-envisioning, I'm doing a thing called the virtual quilt. I'm kind of taking my, I'm going to do, creating a musical. I'm also, this is more my idea now that I'm, you know, getting into the golden years. So I love this question because I feel like it's, it just brings out a really, a really great side of people. Why is charitable giving important to you and how have you seen it impact your outlook on life? Oh gosh. Well, I think giving is really great because, I mean, there's just so many ways to give. I think that giving anything that you can financially is obviously helpful and great. But I think for instance, um, I used to be pretty involved in, I would say that, you know, like things like, you know, the humane society or things like that. It's really, again, it's like I say, it's, 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 I think we have to do things in our lives that create trust in ourselves and others. And I think that when we're involved in experiences where we see people in need, and then we actually really are trying to meet a need and support them in any way. It's actually a really great practice meeting somebody where they are instead of like what they can offer for me. First of all, it's a very bizarre sort of thing. You know, how do you really, really figure that out? And when you're continually tapping into your gifts and your special, like these little nuances of you that are really making a difference in the world. You just feel better about yourself and then you do better and then everything gets better. So it's, it's domino. I have like one more question for you. What, let me try to word this the right way. I feel like you're such a, a well-rounded person and you have your your hand in a lot of different things if you had to give one word to to end this podcast what would you tell people well i would say that you know being multi-passionate is okay i think that the worst thing we do is judge ourselves for not being like a master right away and to just keep plugging it away at the things that you think are wonderful it's just like gardening you plant something some things are like more survival of the fittest sometimes you got to weed it out sometimes you got to eat but you definitely have to water it you definitely have to clean it up and you know so you can really let the beauty shine so shout out where people can find out more about your music your your charity everything okay well 
I would say uh, Spotify, L-E-V-E-N, E-L-L-E-V-E-N. Then uh, the Groovolution, you can do a creativity quiz. You can find out what kind of create creative you are, and that will sort of give you a, a lead into my universe and all sorts of creative tips and stuff like that. And that's basically it. it's my music. I've also got a YouTube channel, but you know, Spotify, the Groovolution, Bluegrass Community Foundation. Do you have a website uh, as well? I do. I have lavan.com. And then we are with Radio Lex going to start launching the virtual quilt. So that's going to be a new project to talk about too. Awesome. Well, Ellie Van, you okay. have been such a pleasure. It's been lovely meeting you and talking with you. And I'm sure we'll be contacting you again soon. We have to have you on again because you were so great. Good times. You're so nice. You're lovely. Thank you. <laughs> All right, everyone, that is it. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you were encouraged by the stories of good happening right here in our community. I definitely know that I am. Make sure you tune in next Monday at 2 p.m. for more good stories and the next installment of the Do Good Radio Hour.